0: Hey there Omaha, welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin' and we've got something a little bit special today. We haven't really delved into the world of wine, but that is something that we're going to do on today's episode. Wine pairings are something that is extremely popular, especially at like fine dining restaurants and we're going to shine a light on that style of dining today. Today we have Nicola Biscardo, the owner of Nicola Biscardo Selections, and Nick Strawhecker, the owner of Dante, which is the wonderful Omaha restaurant. that uh, that recently hosted a wine dinner that Nicola put on. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Dan, thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you. Uh, You have two Nicolas because you have Nick and Nicola. I know, I know. There's a lot of
0: symmetry going on there. I love it. Now, Nick, you've been on the show a couple times. You're a veteran. You're from Omaha. Everybody knows Dante. It's fantastic. So I want to give a little introduction to Nicola. Because this is your first time, and you, you're from New York, you're originally from Italy, so you've you know been all over the world. Can you maybe kind of tell me a little bit about uh, Nicola Biscarda selections and what, in your mind, differentiates it from different wine companies?
1: So uh, the the concept behind behind the group and the selection is um, quite simple. We got to go back thirty five years ago, thirty three years ago. Um, I am from Verona, Italy, northeast, the city of Romeo and Juliet, close to Venice. My family has been making wine for four generations. My great-grandfather started it in 1876 or 78, something like that. And uh, my father was coming, was traveling around the world. You have to imagine the world of wine has changed dramatically in the last, I don't want to say in the last 100 years, I'm saying in the last 30 years has changed a lot. Uh, what was wine uh, perceived in the United States in the 70s is definitely not what it is today. So when my father first started to export his wine, he chose the United States as a market because the United States was the new promised land. So my uncle was taking care of marketing the wine in in Germany and in Europe, but the U.S. was the new market. They didn't exist. And there were very few importers at that time. So after 10 years that he was going you know, back and forth between Italy and United States promoting his wine through importers, he understood that for small reality like us, family-owned small boutique vineyards, very um, focused on small production, organic wine, sustainable farming, was very difficult to approach and relate. You no know, relate with huge national importer. So I thought, why don't I build my own importing company? And so I bring the wine by myself. Nobody will put a markup on top of my wine because they keep telling me that my wine is too expensive because we make such small boutique production and they want me to discount it. So if I cut the middleman out, I can still keep my identity of being a small boutique producer, taking care of the environment, taking care of the quality, and I still be competitive. So he called five friends from five other regions, so we didn't compete each other. So we were the guy from Veneto. then he got another winery from Trentino to Adige, one from Piedmont, one from Tuscany, one from Market. So six friends, literally, that uh, decide to self-import their own wine, and they were the first one to come up with this idea. Now there are other companies that grew up, but in 1987, we were, he was the one to come up with this idea of self-importing wine. And uh, at that time, the company was called Con Export, because being Italian, we didn't know that "con" is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, okay, we, we we're like a, a we're building a little console for the export. So we are Con Export. So every time I was calling on distributors, I said, "Hey, this is Nicola Biscardo from Con Export." Like, click. <laughs>
0: like, who's
1: this guy trying to sell? You know, it's like is it selling drugs or something. So ten years later. I, uh, I joined the company because I was very young in eighty seven, And so, but, you know, after I graduated and I started um, working in, in the wine business myself too, I became kind of the front man of the, um, of the group. So we understood that con was not a good name. So we decided to change the name into Nicola Biscardo Selection to put a face because we want to deliver the fact that we are families, that we are people. We are not a corporation. We are not a co-op. We are a group of family, family family-owned growers. We grow our own grape. We don't buy grape. We don't buy wine. Everything is a state-grown, produce and bottle. And every winery that comes in my group must follow this very simple rule. You grow your grape, You do it organically, and you represent your Torah at the best of your ability. And we come in direct with no middlemen. That's the idea.
0: Nick, how did you become aware of Nicola? And, I mean, you've had him back for several different wine dinners over the years. You've done different wine tastings, wine classes. What what makes you keep bringing this guy back?
2: Well, by our count, I think that we've done over ten events together. Yeah. Once Um, a year? At least once a year? At least once of a year. We've done several different styles of events. Yep. I met Nicola through the Italian Vine, Mark McDonald at the Italian Vine. Um, And Mark is our primary uh, wine distributor. And the Italian Vine focuses on, obviously, wines from Italy, but they have wines from other places as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a natural, I should say... The Italian Vine opened or started business in 2009, and that's the same year that we opened, uh, that Dante opened. So uh, that was very natural. Um, I wanted to do wine events with Italians, you know, representing their wine, and I'll let Nicola tell the story because I just I just heard it. I just heard it recently. But how Nicola and Mark met and. Uh, I mean, Nicola, you pretty much chased down oh, yeah. Donald and I,
1: then, and I mean, and it got was hurting like more than just, I was like really hurting <laughs> the guy. I was, I was uh, looking for, to expand distribution and uh, because at the time we were, uh, I would say well off on the, on the East coast, but I wanted, and, and also the West coast, I wanted to get into the heart of the United States. And that's another funny thing because. Um, I've been traveling around since 1996, and at, at the beginning, my father, that's another funny story, sent me to Albuquerque, New Mexico to learn how to barbecue. So he he, he sent me to a barbecue restaurant called uh, Rob Ribs on San <laughs> Pedro and Candelaria. I still remember it. And I was a young kid. My, my English was very scholastic. So he said, you need to go polish your English, um, cut the umbilical cord from your mom, and being a grown-up man, and and then you have to learn how to barbecue because I want to open a barbecue restaurant on the Lake Garda where we live because barbecue didn't exist in Italy. So at the beginning, I thought he was sending me to New York. He said, oh, I'm going to be in New York City, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, if you think you're going to New York to party with your Italian buddies and my money, it ain't going to happen. You're going to be in Albuquerque. You'll be the only Italian in the state of New Mexico. And I'm telling you that there were no Italians in '96 <laughs> in the state of New Mexico, but it was a great experience. So, and that's how I got in touch with the uh, Central America, you know. I said, "This, this is a, there is a lot to do here. There, there are a lot of very cool states that are not the usual New York, uh, California, Florida, uh, Massachusetts. There is a lot in, in the center of the United States." So, I was looking for distribution. And uh, I uh, I Google it. That was the first thing. I, I Google like Italian distributors in Nebraska and the Italian vine came up. Like the Italian vine, that's going to be my guy. <laughs> so I called him, I called him, I emailed him and um, and then I, I, I researched his, uh, his, his brands, what he's already distributing because here is kind of a catch. Uh, you want to be the sole love of your partner. On the other end. If your partner has no experience, it's not a very good partner. So you, when when I look for distributor, I also look at what the brand they have. I hope they don't have too many, so they can I can be the, their number one. But if they have really nothing, means that they also don't have experience. And I really, the first thing I totally respect the portfolio that Mark put together already. So I said, well, I am very comfortable to be represented by a person that has. This, 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 and this guy, because those guys, yes, my, are my competition, but they think like me. And I was always coming from the place that says that, for me, good wine are not competition. Good wine are ambassadors. Um, if bad wine are my competition, because bad wine ruin the name of the appellation, ruin the image of Italy. And so they compete against me. But I always say, making a sell because at the end of the day, we're here to sell wine. So when I go visit an account, let's say, I, I go and I, and I visit Nick and I bring my Amarone and I bring a very good Amarone and I tell the story and Nick says, Nicola, you know what? You have a great wine. Valpolicella is an amazing place because the wine is absolutely excellent. You know what? I really have Amarone. I don't really need it. But next time. I don't make the sale. But Nick says, damn it. Amarone are amazing wines. Next guy that comes in at the perfect timing, in his bag, he has a bottle of Amarone. Nick would say, oh, you have an Amarone? Oh, sure, I try it. So I was not competition. I actually pre-opened the door. I didn't make the sale, but I opened the door for my valley. If somebody come with a bad bottle of Amarone, and Nick is very busy, and they take his time, and they give him something, can I say, shitty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're giving shitty wines. Next time I come with my Marone, Nick says, his "I don't have time for that kind his of His mind wine. is closed off to it. Yeah. So, being in a group of good producer, it's good for everybody. It's so I I uh, I start uh, I, I I talk too much. I <laughs> there's, <laughs> no, no, there's no such thing as talking too much on the podcast. It's don't <laughs> don't feel like you're talking too much. So I saw his portfolio. I liked it. I saw there were some voids, some niches that I could fill with my wines. So I start curting and courting and courting And it was, uh, need to we say strict but f- but fair. So he said, not now, but it is not a no. I don't have time and resources now because I need to grow also my team in order to bring more wines on board, which I, th- I found it very responsible. But there will be the time because you, know, you sound like a nice guy, and then he, he checked on my, you know. He, he I, I sent him information as he and as to who I was and where I was coming from and stuff like that and then uh, I remember that it took me more than a year like we were like really corresponding for like a year and a half almost two years and then uh, and that was ten years ago because um it's gonna be ten years because i i, I met my cur- my wife um exactly ten years ago and uh, we i remember that we just i was just start dating her and uh, and i was traveling to us so she was not very happy that i had, that i left italy and i was uh, calling her every day to tell her in which state i was and i was actually in uh, tennessee i was in nashville tennessee in the parking lot of the titans uh, stadium because my distributor in tennessee was doing a big portfolio tasting so i'm italian so much genetically late so, I was late for that <laughs> event. Yeah, I'm telling you. I was late for that event and I'm in the parking lot and uh, my phone goes off and I see Mark McDonald. And I think, shit, I've been courting this guy for a year and a half. He calls me now that I'm late to my event. So, I, like, hello? I said, hello? So, this is Mark McDonald from the Italian Vine. I think we're ready for your wines here in Nebraska. Do you have a moment? I'm like, shit like <laughs> sure i do so so i got very late but uh, that's how uh, we all started and it was believe me uh w- i became uh, i'm very happy to say that i became part of the family right away because we we i send the samples to nebraska and samples are like kids you love your wines so you won't i don't like to send samples i like to bring my samples and so i said i really would like to be in Nebraska while you're tasting my wines. And he said, well, if you're willing to do an investment to fly all the way here, you're welcome. And then and then when I landed, he picked me up at the airport, and he said, I know it might sound weird, but we talked so many times over the phone, and you seem like a nice guy, and I can actually see you in person. If you want, you can be our guest in our house. And sure enough, I went there. Kim uh, set the dinner, and I presented my wine. They have the kids... Morgan the young he has three daughters, she was nine she was a babe now she's nineteen she's a woman so that like, i really I was part of the family from the day, day one and i'm very very proud of it and very honored also
0: that's really cool and i'm I'm so glad that that partnership happened because clearly you know you guys have done a lot of really cool things together and and I can attest as someone who just attended the the latest wine dinner on September fifteenth this is a good partnership. <laughs> Some really good things are happening. Nick.
2: Well, Nicola. So there's a, there's a, there's a few things that at play here. So first off, Nicole, like our values are very similar. We're yeah. from two, I mean, two different places, but very, but at the same time, we just have, we have very similar values and the same things that are important to him are important to me and are important to Mark. There are, there's big companies, big wine distributors in in the state of Nebraska and Omaha that we could, that we could buy wine from just to, kind of expand on nicola's point about what he was what he was saying with amaroni you know maybe you taste a good one maybe you taste a bad one so the fact that mark's portfolio with the italian wine it's i mean it's a, it's a good portfolio but every single wine has been chosen for a purpose and he only has wine on his on in his portfolio that is available to me and his other clients that he has specifically chosen for a reason so, and it's the same, if you, if, it's the same with me, um, with my ingredients. So my olive oil, I chose for a very specific reason. I, I tasted 20 olive oils and I like this olive oil. So I'm going to use that. You know what I mean? It's the same with the farmers that I work with. Uh, for example, you know, Dean's chickens and you know, his,
0: mm-hmm. it, it's,
2: Farms, it's yeah. the exact, it's the exact same thing. We're smaller. I'm a smaller restaurant. We're not a chain. And we care. We got one place, you know, and it's in Nicole
1: is a smaller. I mean, absolutely, more wineries, very dedicated, and 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 we but care. very very focused, very focused, very very focused, and and you you must care. Uh, it's funny. I I just said it during a, a a meeting that I was a few minutes ago, and I said when you suggest something with genuine passion, people believe it because the genuinity of the passion is transparent goes through your product and and that's why we 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 do so well together because i love every time i go to eat at dante i'm like i'm super happy as a matter of fact i this time for the first time i brought my wife with me and i said you have to taste the food at dante
0: it's fantastic
1: and francesca is from Emilia-Romagna. So now I am from Veneto, right? She's oh, from she Emilia. is? Yeah. I thought she was... Oh, okay. No, she's not from Verona. <laughs> she's from Emilia-Romagna.
2: Which, which is very near where Nicole is
1: from. But yeah. they're two totally different places. Yeah, it's, it's like an hour and 20 minutes drive. But it's like a million years. I'm telling you. It's like we don't talk the same. We don't have the same accent. We have two different dialects. And Emilia-Romagna claimed to be the Mecca of the Italian cuisine, right? It's so, because they have the best pasta and they have the best tortellini and they have the best of this. They have the best of everything. So she criticized everything. I'm telling you, we got married and she moved to Verona. The first three years was like criticizing every single food that she got on the plate <laughs> because uh, in Emilia-Romagna, we do this, we do that. So, <laughs> and it's like right down the street. Oh, I'm ta- It's yeah, not far. It's not far. And uh, I said, you have to taste Dante's food because... She likes um, uh, ethnic food. She likes different type of food. But when she has Italian food, it must be Italian. So she's very critical when somebody claims to be Italian and then they're not. So I, 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 I brought her with me and she was... What would she think, though? She was all over. Like I, it's the first time that I see that she cleaned up every plate. I'm she like, did? <laughs> i <was> like, <laughs> what? What? I bet you like it, honey. Yes, what was I must dish? say, they, um, she, okay, two for two reasons. Uh, she totally loved the the soup that you put together with that um, uh, corn. The uh, Nebraska corn soup the, with the, the Alaskan spot prawn. Ex- the match was unbelievable, and and the, and the and the soup was so delicate. And then every time she sees pasta, she's skeptical because she never get pasta properly cooked.
2: Anywhere, United states.
1: In, yeah, I didn't want to say it. Yeah, in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so, she cleaned up the place. Like, wow, she said, "We don't um, because that you did it with a braised uh, picklet, right?" Yeah, the, something pig. Yeah, yeah. The please, s- s- please s- s- describe p- that dish, Nick. Oh my because god, because it
0: was one of the best pastas I've ever had. Oh man, thank you. It was so.
2: You know, it was a curveball dish. We had a completely different plan uh, the day prior. It was going to be something completely different. And we had brought in five suckling pigs, so five 50-ish pound pigs for an event that we had uh, last night. And um, what we did was so we broke down the pigs and had the the carcasses from the pigs and made stock out of them. And there's, uh, you know, tons of residual meat on the bone. I mean, tons of residual meat, all the, all the cheap bits, all the, but the most delicious bits. So I'm straining. So it's a, it's a kind of a wild story. I'm, we make the stock, I'm straining the stock on Sunday night at 11 o'clock and you know, it was just a extremely arduous weekend and I have this massive stock pot, almost the size of this table, half the size of this table. And we're just sitting back there and we're just like picking the meat off the bones and I'm like, well, let's just it's let's just. Well, this, is, this, is, this, is gonna be, this is gonna be our pasta dish. So we sh- took all that took all that meat, and uh, you know made fusilli, which was the pasta we used. And we had you know 100 pounds of these beautiful sweet peppers, and then this beautiful brodo from the stock.
1: And it was as simple as that, and finished it with a little pecorino and olive oil. And it was delicious. And yep. and the pasta was perfectly cooked. And Francesca said, you know, I've never seen a seasoning made in this way. So I said, so we cannot say that he used like um authentic Italian seasoning, but he said, but the ways been put together and the flavor all together it's like this is the most delicious piece of pasta that I had in the United States since I land since the first time I came. And it was actually very, 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 very good. That's really. probably about the best compliment. And possible. she's also said he chooses a very high quality pasta. Because she was she's like, this pasta is very good. Like the pasta itself, you know, the 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 raw the, the pasta I said this pasta is very good pasta. We extruded it ourselves. You make it yourself? Yeah, I show you the machine now. I yeah. didn't tell her. We I...
2: made it ourselves.
1: Oh, oh, I gotta tell her. Now. Everything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and incidentally, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I mean, that by far was the cheapest dish to produce. I mean, it didn't really. It was the cheapest dish to produce, and that's what's just so beautiful about Italian cuisine. The, the key, yeah. And it's. I mean, it's. 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 And we talked about. We've talked about this ad nauseum, you and I. And it's. And yeah. it's. So our food and my focus is what is, what are the best ingredients that are available available to me right now? I mean, that's how we decide how to do our menu. That's how we decide how to do a, a wine event menu or just every day. And I had all these peppers and I had this beautiful pork that was from a farm within a hundred miles of here at the pasta we make in house. And it's like, the only thing that wasn't from here was the olive oil and the pecorino. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, five ingredients, that's mm-hmm. it, done. And that's how you do it in Italy, that's, that's right? Italian it's like, cuisine. what do you have? What do you have that's like right by? I mean, like, if I If, you, if, if you I go, go more to Verona, than
1: five ingredients, the Italian gets skeptical. It's, 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 so, Italian cuisine is, as you said, is simplicity, is good ingredients, seasonal ingredients, zero kilometer, we call them, like, uh, try to source them as close as possible. And that's it, put them together without messing it up. Because if you if you get a let's take a buffalo mozzarella, you take a, a campagna buffalo mozzarella. That mozzarella is so good that everything you're going to do is ruin it. You just want to get that. If you get the mozzarella, you put the paste on top, and then the balsamic, and then you put the parmesan, and then you put the acid of the battery. That you do whatever you put on top, and the cr- you ruin it. That mozzarella is so good that you just want to bite into it. So a line of extra virgin olive oil, some. Flavorful tomatoes and uh, a basil leaf. Done. Deal. Don't touch it. But if your mozzarella cost uh, tastes nothing. Oh yeah. Then then you play with sauces and. Uh, but if if the ingredient is good, don't mess it around. Why mess with it? There's What's the
0: beauty in the simplicity. Absolutely. <laughs> what was the wine that we did with the pork dish? Oh, I gotcha.
1: We the pork dish we did. I think we did the the. Como um, uh, se llama uh, oh, Pedirosa. Was a was Always a from p- your vineyard and and I've never been there. Yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. Pediroso the pedi rosso from uh, from Ischia? That's that's a cool, cool dish, cool wine. Is a a, a Pediroso already the name of the grape is weird. P- Pediroso means piede foot, rosso red, red foot. So they call the varietal red foot, but in their dialect they call it Pere palummo, which actually literally means the feet of the pigeon, because the stem that holds the cluster together instead of being green like any other varietal is actually red and the berries are attached in group of three so it looked like the three the three finger feet of a pigeon that has purple feet so they call the varietal pigeon feet or red feet and this varietal grows in this Ischia island in Campania in the south of Italy it's like an hour ferry out of uh, Naples Magical place that we gotta go together, Nick. I went to I went to Capri instead, which was a huge
2: mistake. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, uh, Capri's fine. It's all. It's, it's where all the tourists go, and you're like, exactly. no, go to Ischia, and I was like, exactly. Uh, is is the next island? We have to go there up. together, though. Oh yeah, is this the one that's on the
1: beach or ne- right near the beach? Right on the beach, and, and you can no only get there by boat, right? Only by boat. Even to the vineyards, you can only go to the vineyards by boat. There are no roads. Talking about sustainability and no machine, there is no room for machine. So they have to go harvest with the boat. So they take the boat, they reach those very um, cliffing uh, high high highlands. They go straight down to the water. So you climb up, and you don't have to think about a conventional vineyard with like uh, all the vine in a row. Uh, they have like ten vines here, fifteen over there, oh, thirty really? over here. It's just it's just going mushroom hunting. And every morning they go with a backpack. Hiking to get to the to the vineyards is zero plastic allowed, so no plastic. Everything is still when they prune it, they still tie it with the with a straw, and every year they melts down in the environment, and then, then they they it again. So it actually also fertilizes the soil, and then but for the harvest they need to go with a boat because they cannot put all the berries in the backpack. So here's what they do. It's another fascinating thing. We gotta go there during harvest. Yeah, yeah. When there is harvest those, there? Uh, harvest is actually now. Like right now.
2: <laughs> because <laughs> so, it's, it's so earlier than it. the rest. Uh, obviously, it's earlier it's, than it's the rest. Earlier, of, it's yeah, the earliest probably in Italy. Because right? we're down in south. So mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's much earlier because much warmer weather. But it is an extinguished volcano. So there are cave into the volcano. So they, the key is to treat the grape the best way possible. As soon as you cut it, you want to process it. But the winery, you need, you need to be reached by boat. So here's what they do. They take it, they bring the grape into those cave. They crash them right in the cave. They make the juice. The juice stays in the cold of the cave for one night together with the skin. And then they run the pipe. They get the juice into the boat. And then they bring it to the winery and they make the wine. It's unbelievable. How long have they been doing, using that process that you just described?
2: I mean, isn't it ancient? Have they been doing it there, like in that cave? Since or? we
1: have written history, yeah. I, yeah.
2: I, I mean, that's just so fascinating. It's and then in Omaha, Nebraska, we're sitting here. And we serve that wine with that whole dish. It's it's almost like, it's just such a beautiful thing.
1: We call it, um, we call this uh, heroic winemaking because it's so difficult to grow grape, so labor intense without the help of any machine that all the young generations, they rather move to Milan, be an accounting engineer and whatever and make money rather than stay there and sweat and tears to get the grape. So we call it heroic winemaking because the ones that decide to stay there to keep the tradition alive for us are heroes. And uh, before they didn't have any options. But today that the world is globalized, those people have options and they decide to stay in those remote lands to keep the tradition alive. That's why I put my art and soul into those varietal, and I Instead of coming here selling Pinot Grigio, I bring, you know, Rosso and Biancolella, those unique things, and and we find another one now in Cinque Terre, another heroic place where they have to build terraces because every time there is the rain, the vineyards they flush down into the into the Mediterranean Sea, so they have to rebuild it all the time. Those are the magic wine that I like to to to, to represent because they are alive, they're they're real, and they mean something. And then he put it with. Perfect food and
2: Paul Foster Sommelier, along with Ga- uh, along with Grant Gaston from the Italian wine. Yeah, they, we they chose this, they chose that wine. How yeah. how, me- how much of how much of that are you
1: importing into, into the United States? I mean, it's quite rare, right? It's very rare. The production is very small. Like the island is small. The people are small. Like you know, that's what you're saying. His mm-hmm. name is Nicola, like us. So Nicola is like 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 three feet tall. There. He's it's a like, man, right? He's <laughs> right? like they're all very. It's, it's him. He's his an older. An, him and his father. Is him? His father and his, and his sister. And 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 the funny and I tell you another his father's name is Antonio, so they they wanted his name um, after his father. So it's Antonio Mazzella. and Nicola is the the new generation, right? And uh, Antonio doesn't speak any English, of course. He barely speaks Italian; like he speaks <laughs> Neapolitan, yeah. Neapolitan uh, um dialect. I shouldn't say so because they get mad because they are from Ischia, so they're not. It's an hour from Naples, so they are not from Naples. They are from Ischia. Is Ischia. It's Naples County, but people from islands are very proud. So, no, we are not Neapolitans. We are isketen because we are from Iskia. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Sounds the same to me, but I cannot say. Anyway, so he, he doesn't speak any, in, any English, but when you go there, he starts talking to you like you are fluent Italian-speaking, because he wants to be the one to explain you the things. He doesn't want me to translate, because, of course, me... I don't know anything about care, right? So, I cannot explain. He has to explain you, but you don't understand, and he doesn't care. He keeps talking, on- and every time say, uh, Mister Antonio, I, c- I call him Anto. Anto, he doesn't understand. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. He does. He does. In Italian, he says, "No, capisce, capisce, capisce," and he keeps talking and talking and talking, and you nod because it's such a nice man and you're like you keep nodding but you do not understand and he keep <laughs> going and going and going so you basically are trapped there for like three hours with him telling you everything about Iskia and you're like what is this guy talking <laughs> about it is it's the funniest thing ever it's, i love i love these guys are very genuine people his fingers are like the size of two fingers of mine like people that you can tell that are people that have been struggling all their life and today they are the most famous producer on the island some of the most famous producer in Italy they won best italian white wine for 2 years in a row super humble they still go working in the vineyards themselves every day because nobody is allowed to go touch the vines and the guy doesn't speak any language but his own dialect and he's going to entertain you for all the time you want to stay there
0: this right here is what i love so much about wine dinners is because someone like me I'm a complete wine novice. I know very little. For the most part, I could close my eyes and just point to a wine on a list and say give me that and I won't be able to tell the difference between other things. I think when when you come to the table and you are able to tell that story about the wine and tell about the people who are harvesting it and everything, that just gives such a new appreciation and understanding to any diner, but especially someone like me who doesn't understand what they're drinking so much it's just like whoa now I have a sense of, of what's going on here and I think that's so cool can you maybe just talk a little bit about the importance of telling that story behind the wine and how understanding the history makes drinking it all the more pleasurable
1: absolutely um, because you, you just said the perfect point um, is the connection what matters um, the wine can be the most difficult thing in the world, but actually is the most simple thing in the world. And and my old uh, um, point, my old strategy, and the reason why I call myself the, the Italian Wine Ambassador, my point is always to make wine simple and connect people to the wine. Because if I tell you the story of the wine, you feel the connection, you understand the wine, and you enjoy it. If I just come to the table and i tell you this one is a pedi rosso or a biancolella you're like i have no idea Mm, do you have any chardonnay any carbonate because you want to go in your comfort zone but then it takes me literally nothing to just give you few points about this island the way they do it that your mouth is already watering you can wait to try it And then you try and say, wow, this wine is good. And I would have never tried because I thought that I should have known what it was before I tasted. You don't have to know what you taste. You just have to taste it and enjoy it and be open-minded and be willing to um, enjoy the passion that runs through this product. Same thing with food. But that's why the connection, the story, the history is fundamental to put people into their comfort zone.
0: That pairs perfectly with something that I wanted to ask about, and that was a wine that was paired with the dessert, Nick. It was a Moscato. Uh, yeah. And I'm not normally a big fan of muscatos because I, I think they're super sweet. Like, that's not really a flavor that I go towards. But Francesca came to the table, and she's like, this Moscato is very different. There's actually no added sugar to this like you would expect from, uh, you know, from a Moscato you might get, get from the grocery store we or whatever. You can
2: buy at Casey's, at the gas stations <laughs> now, which is... Very sad. But. Exactly.
0: But she's like, all the sweetness in this Moscato comes from the grapes themselves. And she kind of explained the process a little bit. And as I drank it, I appreciated it so much more because I was like, she's right. There's no added sweetness here. Like, you can taste the tartness of the grapes. And there is that sweetness from the grape, but it's not overly sugary. And just having that knowledge made that
1: wine so much more pleasurable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that you—I uh, don't know if you—if you know about about Moscato, uh, Moscato is aromatic grape. Um, that's another fun. Th- that's what I said. We got to make wine simple because wine can be extremely complicated. Absolutely. And I have a—I'm a, a, um, running a crusade since I was born against those snobbish sommeliers. They, they're gonna hate me now. <laughs> uh, why I'm not against sommelier against the snobbish one because uh, not all of them but a lot of them when they approach the customer is about their knowledge about wine instead of the pleasure of communicating something new that makes your mouth watering and looking forward for that point wine, and that's where my issues come so but wine can be complicated to
2: expand on that i couldn't agree more with you um there's nothing, and I'm I'm not a wine expert. I, I know more than most, I suppose, just because that of my. Me. But but I'm not but I'm not a wine expert by any means. And there's there's nothing more of a turnoff when you know you're ordering a bottle of wine. You're at a different you're at a restaurant, and you know clearly maybe you don't. They a wine a sommelier. No, you can tell immediately if somebody knows what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. it's very very clear, and. Um, you know, let's so let's say I'm with somebody and my and the, the guest that I'm with, you know, orders the wine, but they clearly, you know, maybe they don't know what's going on, and then the sommelier will, well, then it's and you know this, you know, it sat in this tank for however long, it aged in steel, blah blah blah, all this technical like stuff that doesn't mean anything, but then like Nicola tell instead of that, tell a story that is just fascinating about the people that craft the wine and where, like the story you were telling about the wine from Ischia that we. That, that you just told. I mean, I could completely visualize that. Mm-hmm. Completely visualize. You're talking about the man's fingers, yeah. and you know what I mean. And how. And and I'm like, and that's just that's just amazing, absolutely amazing to me that uh, we're able to consume that here. And that and that is. That's passion, you know that's what I mean, and that absolutely. and that that's that's inspiring. And then you're tasting it with this pork that we have from hundred miles. From, you know, it's just so it's so beautiful as opposed to all the technicality of it, which is ob- obviously very important, important. And, and very very too. very interesting I mean, to some people, yeah. but not
1: most. No, it's it <laughs> can be engaging for five minutes, but yeah. then then it becomes sterile because then you know we can talk about you know tannins and acidity and pH, and then this is like a six point two that is seven point five. Numbers, mm-hmm. mm. they're 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 cold, but but life is is warm. So you want to talk about the life of the wine, and the life in the wine, instead of the chemics. Because at the end of the day it's chemics. At the end of yeah. the day it's all chemical reaction that happen in the grape and also that happen in your mouth. Because when we're enjoying the food and the wine, it's all about the chemical reaction that it happens between your saliva, and the, the mastication. How do you say when you the chewing? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's all chemics at the end of the day but then gives you pleasure so let's talk about the pleasure instead of talking about the chimics. in my opinion is much more fun mm-hmm. but if you want to technical for a second the Moscato the reason why you like it so much <laughs> they said I don't want to be technical but one of the things that not many people know is that I told you the Moscato is an aromatic grape but it's a very delicate grape and what you want to preserve are those direct aromas. The aromas are the flavor that come directly from the grape. Meaning, if you walk in the field of a Cabernet and you take a berry and you eat it, you, you, you will taste the grape, but you will not feel the flavors that are in the wine, in the wine Cabernet. The wine will develop those flavors during the fermentation, the aging, blah, blah, blah. The aromatic grapes are able to transfer the flavor of the grape into the wine those are the aromas so literally if you walk in the vineyard of Moscato right before harvest when it's ripe you can smell the same perfume that you get in the glass it's unbelievable and if you eat it, it is the same flavor of the wine and that's the beauty of Moscato now the key component is how can I, can I preserve that flavor as naturally as possible and not in a fake way sugary, syrupy way. Well, they take the grape, they make the juice, but they do not ferment it. They keep the juice, grape juice, all the way to the moment they need it to sell the wine. So they put it in big tank, they refrigerate it, and so the yeast cannot act in a cold environment. So this one is literally wine, grape juice and keeps all the aromas of the grape juice. Then they needed to sell some wine, they take a portion out, they ferment it, and they sell it right away. Wow. Is that pretty typical of, 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 of the, sexy moscatoes? That's the difference. The good producer, that's what they do. They spend all that energy to keep it cold, to, to keep it juice, and only on demand. Like uh, now we are uh, basically close to harvest for the 2021 but the Moscato twenty twenty that we shipped from Italy in, in August fermented in July. That's didn't, amazing. didn't ferment in September of last year. So they were sitting in a cold tank and for eight, 10 months. So we have the freshest flavor of Moscato possible in the most natural
2: way. Moscato is funny because a lot of people like put their noses up on Moscato anymore because it's like eh, moscato, you know, you could buy it at Casey's. And so one of my first when I was twenty years old, I was at a I went to a culinary school. My second, my, the Italian culinary school in the Piedmont region, so northern... It, well, the same place where... Uh, well, obviously, where this Biscato is from. And uh, in a small, yes, small no, town... No,
1: northwest of Italy, close to... Uh, On the French border. Yeah, I don't say the F word, so... I <laughs> 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 uh,
2: and... <laughs> And a town called Costiglioli di And all they had, they had Moscato and they had Barbera. Nicole's been there and it's a super, super tiny town. I'm 20 years old. Nobody in the, I mean, Moscato was, you could it was very rare in the United States. Wouldn't you agree in 2000,
1: 2001? I mean,
2: it's just like- Yeah, well,
1: Moscato had a decline because at the beginning in the 70s was a wine that was invading the US because it was sweet and easy. Mm. But then as soon as the American palate uh, um I can say um kind of figured it out figured out it. they became snobbish towards Moscato and Moscato disappeared. But that and was it, after two thousand that was and, and that now was it's l- coming back. But so
2: about the smell, like I the Moscato we are drinking there I can still I can still I can still smell it. it. smelled like a pear. Yeah. I mean like you crack into this bottle it smelled like a pear. And you know at
1: dinner every night at
2: we white those, peaches and pears. Pear. Oh my gosh, this is absolutely magical and
1: beautiful. Oh yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like f- the freshest thing you can have and actually um, it is it is a in a, in a circle of life you no know? you 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 grow up, you're born and then you start you do nothing then you start playing with toys and you have so much fun and you have your favorite toy, and then all of a sudden that toy you lose interest and then you find another toy and then and then you keep growing, you keep growing and you keep changing your interest. And then you get to a point that you look back, you realize, right, like, shit, I shouldn't have left. The, That's why it that, was kind of cool. That, that was kind of cool. <laughs> so same thing is with the, with the Moscato. There are certain varietals that people just, they are, can I can say, propedeutic to um, introduce somebody into the wine world. Then they have their reaction, like, oh, I'm too good for school, so I'm not going to drink that wine anymore. And then they got even more sophisticated and then go back. So you know what? This varietal is actually really cool. It's very worth it to drink Moscato. I'm on the swimming pool. It's a warm day. I have a nice fruit salad. Nice glass of Moscato it is five point five alcohol, so very low, very fresh, very natural, perfect. I
2: mean, they feed it to children in Italy, right?
1: Yeah. Well, my my, I keep saying, I keep saying, and people think I'm joking, but that was what my ne- my niece when she was five, five and a half. That's what I was giving to her. Like you know, okay, what you do in Uncle Nicola, I'm, I always say they're crafting our wine. We make. But Pulicella, Amarone, like very big full body wines. She couldn't, I couldn't not give her like Amarone. So it's like, yo, I'm drinking wine. Can I try? Sure. Okay. Let me give you the w- right wine for you. I was giving her a glass of Moscato.
2: <laughs> I can't give you Amarone, <laughs> but you have this Moscato. But so. that's it, but that's different. But that's how you teach. That's how you teach appreciation Absolutely. of something, you know. And I introduced it to my son Jack the other day, mm-hmm. who's six years old. And because I wanted, I wanted to. Well, I wanted to. I wanted. I. Had, it was the first time I met Francesca. And I've heard about her all these years, and it was a fr- well, you'd met my wife Michelle. Before. Yes, I did.
1: i, I done yeah.
2: And um, but I wanted Jack to meet the man where the wines for our dinner came from, and right after that, uh, Zach Schremer from Brickway uh, came in to say hi, and I was like, "This man makes wine. This man makes beer, and he's like, and scotch and gin and vodka." But uh, it's just like so. It's important for children to know where our food comes from, where our products come from, as opposed to, you know, we go to the, the supermarket and we and grab this bottle or we grab that. No, this was produced by a human being. And yeah. the earlier that we know that, as people, Absolutely. the better we're going to be. The, the, more, the more well-adjusted the more we'll be, and not to mention the appreciation for alcohol.
1: Definitely. And, and, not and the to, respect and not to, and the it, respect not to, to ab- alcohol. Yes, exactly. Okay. The, the, the wine has never been a mystery for us. So... As as you can see, it's, it's like the, the the forbidden apple. You know, if if it's not forbidden,
2: then what's the big deal? Like what's that, big and that's deal. how you raise, and that's how it is in Italy. And unfortunately, we we don't do that here.
1: Absolutely, not mm-hmm. enough. And, and actually, is is the is the opposite. It, kids are, are are sponges, right? You they absorb everything you tell them. So uh, at the at the very beginning, an infant, you can give him poison; he's gonna drink it; he's gonna die, so, because he's gonna get whatever you give them. So then they start hitting that age that they actually understand more and they say you want to try this you want to try that and they will and then they get into the no what i call the no zone that they are against everything you want to try this nah you like this nah nah, nah. it's always no and, and and i've noticed with with my nephews and nieces at the beginning they were tasting everything that i was suggesting you want to try oh yeah then they went through that phase you want to try no nah. it stinks i'm like okay you can say everything you want but that word Close to my wine, never. Mm. So, so. But I, it took me a while then to get them back because they go through that phase that they don't like wine. They don't. You don't have to tell to a six-year-old kid don't drink a scotch because it's not gonna drink anyway. <laughs> it anyway. It's it's awful. So it's actually. But it's there. Is it? But you wanna try? No. Okay, fine. You wanna try? Why not? They taste it. Uh, okay. But then they grow with total respect for for the element and also the fact that I can actually experience what it takes it builds even more respect but of course not everybody grew up on a winery but if you make it available you know make it a big deal then you know they they understand the way it's supposed to be consumed and that's the that's the key of course
0: now I want to get into a little bit of the specifics of wine pairings and putting together a wine dinner specifically so To kind of give people some background, this specific wine dinner uh, that Dante put on on uh, September 15th, it was a five-course dinner, you know, kind of progressing from real light dishes, going into the pasta, going into a bison loin, then going into dessert, um, presented over the course of two, two and a half hours, whatever it is. And every course came with a different wine that was specifically supposed to be drank with that dish. So what I want to talk to you about, Nick, is when you're crafting one of these dinners and you have a lot of experience doing this, are you starting with five wines that Nicola brings to you? And he says, I'd love to feature these. And so you're like, okay, I need to create five dishes that pair with these wines. Or are you starting with five dishes based off the local ingredients or what's freshest right now, or maybe what you're excited about, what's in your mind, and then you're finding wines that pair with those. Which which direction do you start in? The... um. The focus is almost
2: always on uh, seasonal availability right now at that time in, in Omaha, Nebraska. So it almost always, you know, kind of starts with the food. And, okay, we have, I mean, for this one example, I mean, it's the end of the summer, so it's it's end of tomatoes, it's the end of peppers, it's the end of all these things. So that part makes it kind of easy. You know what I mean? um now when you're talking about like january february and trying to put together a menu that's based upon seasonal ingredients in omaha nebraska it's a little harder <laughs> i mean
0: um i'll but, never forget what you said last time about nebraska tomatoes in the winter <laughs> you're just like never <laughs> yeah
2: i mean if it,
0: it, yeah i mean i could i could
2: <laughs> <laughs> we I, won't I don't i don't want to go down, down that road yeah. yeah uh but um so yeah we always start there and then we kind of def- Decide on kind of what focus. What haven't we done recently? Exactly. What would, what would interest the people? Exactly. What would what would get people in here? And Nicola Boscardo, the the amazing thing about Nicola and his wines is that he has, he represents almost all. As he just as he told us a little bit ago, he has he represents
1: all of Italy. Yeah. So thirty three wineries in my group now. Thirty soon, soon thirty five. So
2: there's going to be something with with. With his wines, so for sure, The match. And then another thing with Italian wine that is, and I want you to, t- I want you to tell tell Dan about something that you told our staff the other day. But I, so one of the great things about Italian wine is, Italian wine is meant to be eaten, is 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 meant to be enjoyed with food. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to when you were talking about, you know, Pinot Noir, for example, talking about California wine, it's like you, it's pretty one dimensional, generally speaking. You have a big red wine from California. That's gonna that's gonna punch you in the face, and that's gonna take over the, that's gonna take over that whole course. Absolutely, period. Unless it's like a, it's true a, a piece of meat, a piece of steak. You know, which is which is fine, and that's fun, and there's a place for that too. But um, yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. And 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 going back to your question is is like most of the time you start with the food and then you match the wine because is the wine the complement the food has always been seen like that. Um, it has a long historical and political reasons, um, mainly historical. Why? Because these come from where food was not available. So now we, we are very narrow-sided. Uh, we think that life is today, but life actually, we have like 3,000 years of written, written history that we should take into consideration. And for the longest period of time, wine was not really excuse me food was not really available because there were no machines because machines are they've been invented yesterday literally we're looking like at the end of the mid 1800 which in the course of history is literally yesterday machines got into agriculture for real in the 1900 by the time that you know they invented the engine and they built it in a machine that was actually usable by farmer was the, like the the 1900 so literally in in the course of the life of my grandfather. So really, not yesterday. This is to say that until then, growing any type of crops, any type of food, was a lot of human labor. Growing the land was hard because we have no tractors, we have no machines. It was all by hand. So there was a lot of energy consumed but not a lot of energy available. So... The issue back then was not going to the gym and burn calories. was finding calories. So the wine was a fundamental resource of calories in order to survive. So the little food available was matched with the wine to get enough calorie to survive. So the wine was always matching the food. Then the society got more advanced, more advanced, more refined, more refined. More refined. And the, and the wine got, at the same time, more refined to match better and better the food that was available. So usually works this way, food first, wine second. And going back to what uh, Nick just said about the difference between old-world wine, there are 100% food wine versus new-world wine that are more fighting the food. And this is very simple to understand. Again, History t- tell us why, and it's exactly what I just said. We, here in, in, in the United States, uh, wine is a relatively new thing. And, and they start making wine when the science of wine, those 3,000 years of evolution that took us to make wine the way we make it now, was already being written. So they just had to take those rules and apply it in a beautiful land, of California or Oregon or Washington, or in, actually, you know, they make wine in 50 states in the United States, oh. by the way. But anyway, so they just have to bring this knowledge that's been developed in 3,000 years in the world war and adapt it to this soil. And the wine always talks about the people that make it, going back to Ischia. So, what do you have in, 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 in California? You have Hollywood. So how do you think they're going to make wine? They're going to make movie star wines. They're going to make wines that are like Hollywood, like like movie stars, big, famous, powerful, potent. De Niro is not willing to share the stage. Mm -hmm. De Niro wants to be the starring in that movie. Same thing is for the wine. The wine has to be the star. I'm not going to share my stage, which is the table, with the food. I am. All, all what you need is in this glass. I am, uh, we call it cocktail wine. In that wine, you can have body, complexity, uh, uh, um, viscosity, uh, longevity, all at once, but that personality tends to bury the food. In Italy, in the old world, because, again, we have to struggle for centuries to survive, the wine share the stage with the food. So the balance, the harmony happens in the mouth. So the European wine, the old world wine, they always had an exceed of something or a lack of something else. They match the food that you're actually putting into your mouth to find the perfect balance, the perfect combination. That's like I the best I explanation I I've know ever makes heard sense. for it. That's, it makes that perfect sense.
2: That's the best uh, explanation I've ever heard for that. And you, because of... The four generations before you and before them, um, wine culturally is embedded. It's it's inherent in you. It's, it's in, in it's, your it's, blood. It's, it's inside of you. It's inside of your <laughs> <Literally>. family. <laughs> yeah. And most in most Italians, see you so it's 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 not just about the wine. It's about the harmony with the food. And then to California, say, you know, say that you, you know, you're 30 years old and, you know, you have a bunch of money or you're 40 years old, let's say somebody, and then they decide to go buy this vineyard because they made all this money, you know, .com, whatever. And, um, but none of that, none of that culture that you, none of that... Nothing that was passed down from the generations before really understands what it's all about. They just want to create something that's Hollywood and bold and big exactly. and going to take over the plate, as opposed to the harmony that goes with the land, with with the food, and with everything. It's amazing to
1: me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I and mean, it's, it's
2: it's a perfect way to to tell the difference between between California and and it's not all like that. No, no, old world. I would say old world versus old world and new versus world. world. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And
0: so. Nick, I, w- I want to get your thinking, and Nicole, you can definitely chime in on this, too, because I'm sure it's a collaboration. But I want to look, like, specifically at one dish. Okay. So we're, we're going to go with the the uh, the entree course, the fourth course. It was a wood-roasted bison loin with wood-oven-roasted tomatoes and yoko. Okay. So you're starting with that dish. Where do you go to select the wine pairing or what wine is going to pair perfectly with those flavors? Like, just where do you even start?
2: I wanted to st- I'll start with the with the protein itself. So with the uh, with the bison loin. So we know that we wanted to use um, Central Nebraska Bison for shout out um, to them. Amazing company.
0: Is, great people. I mean.
2: I mean, and you've had them on and it's, 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 I could go on and on about their bison. I love it so
0: much. It's so delicious. It's, yep.
2: it's, it, it's better than beef. I love it.
0: We could have a whole podcast just about that. But anyway, continue. <laughs> so I'm we, interrupting. But we
2: started, we started with that. We knew we were going to do bison, right? Um, and, uh, you know, end of tomatoes. We wanted to do uh, something with tomatoes. So what we did was we took the bison loin, um, took the bone, the bones from that and made a bison stock. Right. So then we took the... Uh, we wanted a sauce with it. So we made a bison stock, reduced it down, reduced it down, blistered the tomatoes. I knew I wanted to do tomatoes, blistered the tomatoes in the wood oven and then created a saw, a, a quick sauce with the tomatoes and the bison stock. Wood roasted the bison. The nioko was a last, uh, uh, last minute bit that I guess we probably decided on Sunday and Drew's like, Hey, let's do these big fat, uh, you know, Nyoko, you know, Nokis plural for yeah, Nokis plural. Really gnocchi's sucks, gnocchi's but singular. Like, yeah. yeah, and so he did the, I mean, I'm sorry, like a Stapoff marshmallow. He made these massive Nokko. Oh yeah, and you know, so and to you need a big wine to go with something like that. Yeah. You know, you need you, you kind of, you need a showstopper, and it's kind of like what we. I mean, you need someone to be able, be able to pair with that. And we choose the king of the wine. We choose the king of the wine, the old uh, sexy Barolo. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and that's a very quick explanation. Uh, I mean, but it's as simple as that. Yeah, that's an easy one to explain. Okay, so, so ex- I think oh, go I, ahead. Having that
1: protein, that uh, unique protein. You know how many times you eat buffalo in Italy? Never. We don't have buffalos. So oh yeah, we have water, we <laughs> have water so. buffalo. Yeah, we have water buffalo. We make mozzarella with those. So, um, so we have a king piece of meat. So you have a, a piece of meat that is extremely flavorful. That is uh, as a, a very um, um, is lean. Uh, it's very lean and has a very um, firm consistency because you know you get like a, a rebuy a, a beef rebuy with a lot of marbling, a lot of fat. That fat is going to tenderize a lot. That that meat. The 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 buffalo is. Uh, uh, correct I me mean if I'm wrong. At least in Italy, it's considered still part of the game. You know, it as more as more firm character, as more um, uh, um, and and it's a firmer consistency, being also so lean. So we needed to match it with the wine that was a king wine for a king piece of meat in two sen- in two, for two reasons. The king of wine, so something that has so many layers to deliver, a wine that has so much complexity that that uh, um, um, layer of, of, of flavor are, can easily match the flavor of this beef But also, we need to have a good amount of tannins, and I will be a little bit technical, those tannins component, which is one of the main aspects of Barolo, that are able to go and break down the proteins and, and melt down the proteins. And so, once again, the perfect harmony happens in the palate. So, a wine that is, the characteristic of Barolo is the fact that it's called the king of the wine and the wine of the king. This is really one of the most prestigious Italian red wine made in Piedmont. This one also, we decided to do it with Alessandro Rivetto, which is a family that has been dedicated all generations into this varietal. But it's a single vineyard, which means that the grape are not coming just from the region, are coming from one single 4 acres vineyard. Four acres? Four acres. So it's like wow. literally 3,000 bottles produced. That's, uh, that's what you get. So... That all that character and all that power is actually counterbalanced by an incredible elegance. So you need, to me, with the bison was something perfect because you, you get like this. That oh yeah, it's such such a unique flavor the bison, and 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 the and the uh, um, and the Barolo has that aristocratic flavor but extremely elegant finesse. So it, again, it does not kill it but he's going to break it down chemically. Mm-hmm. You also, when so when, when y-
2: what we try to do is, you want a little bit of, not a little bit of everything. There needs to be some sort of focus, but it's like, I don't want to do, uh, and I say that, and we're going to do a Barolo dinner in two months, <laughs> <but> so <laughs> that's a little bit different, I, I suppose, well, kind of like you were talking about, like you, like you did with Mark Vetri last year, the year before, when it was yeah, all radicchio. We did that's
1: 100% th- wine dinner based on white wine, And that white wine, Verdicchio.
2: And it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it was a big one, right? I mean, like 12
1: courses or something. It was insane. It was nine courses. It was nine courses with nine different Verdicchio. All white wine. Already doing a a wine event with white wine instead of red, it's insane in the United States. Because going back to what you said, I'm not going to drink Moscato anymore. Because after, when people think that they know everything about wine, oh, I don't drink white. I like big, full-body red. Now you like everything if you like wine. And you like what makes sense with your course. So already to do a wine dinner with no red was a huge challenge. And do it with just one varietal that nobody even knows what it is. It was insane. But it's so, Mark Battery. It's Mark. Sold out in two weeks. We sold out everything. And people went ballistic. For two reasons. First, because the experience, the food was very good. And the experience was, fun. but imagine, people are like, how is that possible that one grape without blending it with any other grape, they come from the same winery, made by the same winemaker. They're all from the same place? Same guy. He makes nine wine, one more different than the other. We wow. no blend, is all about the Torah. And it's like, how is that possible this guy? The wine changes so much and it's the same grape made by the same guy and you go from welcoming Appetizer, every single course, dessert, same grape. That's like that's 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 expert level, but that everybody would be
2: would probably enjoy. Most guests would enjoy. They just don't. They just don't really. Know they don't know, it, or they don't they have don't access know. to it. Exactly. This wine dinner was more, and the ones that we usually do are kind of something for everybody. You know what I mean? So, you know, we had the, we had the, the sparkling rosé.
1: Um, yeah, there was It's a wine tour also It's a wine because...
2: tour With a, something for everybody And then they maybe You know, a lot of people I talk to them They're like, you know I didn't expect to like This wine at all Or, yeah. you know what I don't like um, Somebody told me What was it that they didn't like Oh, peppers yeah. You know, I saw that and I was like, oh, damn it, I hate peppers. You know what? That was my favorite That was my favorite dish on the thing, and now I love peppers. So it's an opportunity for people to maybe, uh, you know, try something that they think they don't life or expose something to something that they've never been exposed to. Um, you know, we're going to do the best that we can do with the ingredient that we have and the wine that we have to open people's minds. Having Nicola there for educational purposes opens our minds in a whole nother way from a wine standpoint. Absolutely. Just the access that we – that we had for this one was uh, was incredible.
1: Yeah, and that's another reason why usually when I do a wine dinner, I don't do winemaker dinner with just my wines. Uh, and I always say for for two reasons. First of all, because I am the ambassador of all my wineries, so I gotta keep it fair with everybody. I definitely make enough wine that I can do a wine <laughs> dinner from appetizer to dessert with my own production. But the point is that it has to be interesting. It's not about me. We we didn't do your wine on this one. We didn't do any of yours. Yeah, I mean. It's not about me. And you sold them like they were yours, though. Because they are. (laughs) Absolutely. It's about the experience. So for me, if every course is a different region with a different winemaker, you're not just going to have food. You're going to have a tour. You're going to tour Italy. You're having you you every time I, I present a, a new one, I say, okay, guys, everybody in the bus, we have three hours drive, and like everybody, like, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, because we're going from Verona to Friuli, we're going from Friuli to Marke, we're going. And, and then they visualize it, and you can see that they tell us, okay, we're going to cross the river here, we pass the Apennini. We, we pass by Florence, we cannot stop. We want to stop in Florence, but we cannot today. But I promise you, we will be back with the next course, and we keep going all the way to Naples. Now let's jump on the ferry, and let's go on the island. People cannot wait to taste it. It's easy. It's, it, wine is easy if you make it easy.
0: Okay, Nick. You said that the, the state course was an easy one to pair. You've got the menu in front of you. I want you to pick out what, what course well, was the most difficult or which so one was the most fun.
2: Here's the thing. Um I don't I don't choose the ones. I I Paul Foss chooses the wines. Okay. Yeah. Paul Foss, along with Grant Gaston from the Italian vine, they're the ones that chose the wine. So we, we presented, here's what, here's what we want to do. Uh, Food-wise, you know, we're going to do – we know in a, most of the time it's like, okay, there's going to be a dish. It's definitely going to have corn. It's probably going to be in a soup form. Um, that gives. Then they can start, you know, juices kind of flowing. Well, we could try this, 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 that, and the other thing. So then using that as an example, Paul tasted – call it three wines on that – um Drew Drew tasted the wines um and I did as well and you know I choose what do we like the best yeah. what do we choose yeah. out of those three it's it's kind of as simple as that then we produce the exactly. dish and then we put it head to head with that oh you know what that actually doesn't that doesn't work at all but with this pork dish um you know maybe it would work with that pork dish okay let's switch those two and it's 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 really kind of a trial and error but um there's there's just kind of so many options that yeah, it's it's, that,
1: you it's know, not you he, he come up with a is it is, a, is a, he come up with the with the food with the rest with the plate and then uh, and then he has a very talented sommelier uh, at, at Dante which i really like that. Guy. He's great isn't he? I love and him. And he's just like you cuz he likes him.
2: to tell stories. It's,
1: I love that guy. But he only learns
2: those stories from you and from Grant and from Mark, you know. Yeah. And that's why it's so important. He was so thrilled to meet you. No, it he was it so difficult be because been I've
1: been because of the COVID. I've been miss. I I haven't been here in in two years because of the COVID. So I never I never I never met him. I just met him for the first time this time. So uh, I, I'm I'm in Italy. I'm here and there. So he talks with Grant, and Grant is uh, works for with Mark, markets, for, yeah. for with Mark for the Italian wine. So he emailed me and I said, "You oh, know, okay, we have this dish. What you?" What you think? And I said, well, you know, I think that this would go well with like this and this, because there is never like one wine. There are several wines. And and me, I, th- I started thinking, okay, what we presented last time. Okay, we really be heavy on Veneto last time. So let's change region. What is in this other region I really would like to present could go well with that dish. And I gave Grant two or three ideas. He presented at the, at the sommelier, they taste it together, and then they pick the one that they think uh, works the best. And usually, it's the best way to do it. It's like a teamwork, you know. It's just Or they tell me, you know what, it rarely happened, but it might happen. he says, you know what, we didn't like any of this chew that you suggested with our dish, because I didn't taste the dish. I just have the idea of what it tells me. So I said, okay, why? Well, because it turned out to be too tart, for example. I said, okay, uh, really? Okay, Uh, okay, I think I got it. Okay, so uh, try this other wine. And they tasted it and said, yes, it works. Let's let's do it. Okay.
0: So something that I like to do on this show when I have chefs on is I like to give them an opportunity at the end of the show. I just kind of open the mic and say, what's one thing about the restaurant industry that most diners don't understand about it that you wish they did. So like, basically, what is a big misconception about the restaurant industry that you want to kind of shed light on? I would love to do that for wine with you guys now. what What is something that you think most people think about wine or they think that they understand about wine that you just wish you could correct and say... No that that's a misconception. This is how it really is. This is the reality. How many hours I have? <laughs> <laughs> Just give me give me one. Give, okay. me, give me your biggest one. And Nick, be prepared. you're coming too.
1: Okay. okay, I give you two. <laughs> <laughs> two it is, two it is. Okay. The first one, don't think that you have to know a wine to enjoy it. That's the biggest mistake that the consumer do. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try it. And I say, it's absolutely the opposite. You don't know what it is. That's the reason why you should try it. And every time somebody tells me, you know what? I don't understand anything about wine. You know, I'm not a connoisseur. And I would say, well, are you a cow expert? Are you a cattle expert? (laughs) That's a great point. Are you a butcher? Uh No. Well, I guess you order your steak. You enjoy your steak with not many issues. Same thing as what you don't always tell them, you don't have to make the wine. Let me do that. You just have to enjoy it. You don't have to know the varietal and how it's made. Just enjoy it. Put it in your glass, get it in your mouth, smell it, smell it, please. Wine is not what you drink, is not what you taste, is what you smell. It's all in the nose, the secret, the mystery of the wine. You want to keep the wine between your nose and your mouth the longest period of time as possible if you want to have fun. But I'm digressing. So First thing, the misperception of I need to know it to enjoy it. Not true. You, the only thing you need to know is to bring, how to, how to bring the glass from your table to your mouth. If you can know to do out this gesture, like bringing the glass to your mouth, the job is done. The wine does the rest. It's the wine that talks to you. It's the wine that tells you the flavor. It's the wine that tells you the perfume. You're not inventing anything. You're just enjoying them. That's the first misperception, in my opinion. The second, if I have a, a second, go for it. If I can say it, don't think that wine is that mystery uh, 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 mix of poison, and then you are allergic to every single component that you're that you can read on a magazine. Because every time the consumer read sulfites, oh, I have an allergy to sulfites. That's the then they know a new word, tannins. They, they they read the word tannins like, they learn tannins like, oh, I'm allergic to tannins. I'm allergic. No, dude, no, you're not allergic. You're allergic to shitty wines. <laughs> <laughs> Try to drink good wine in moderation and you'll see that you're not allergic to anything. That is the thing. The misperception that there is something wrong into the wine and the wine has to be the most purest thing like when they ask me they ask me the most incredible question in every single step of the way and then I will not say the name of the brand but then they eat those fake potato chips that they taste like barbecue and I go I tell them how do you think that the flavor of barbecue got into (laughs) that chip but they eat it with no problem about all the chemicals that they're eating but the wine is to be that Virgin Mary pure, candid, uh, uh, f- squeezed-by-God element, and every name that they read about a component is going to be something that gives them allergy. That's not the way it works. Wine is natural. Wine is pure. Wine is clean. If you drink good wine, you're not going to have an You're not going to have any trouble. Of course, you have to drink healthy, quality, clean wines. Well, and then they come into my
2: place and uh, you know, are gluten-free. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat the barbecue chips over here, but then, uh, no, but I'm gluten free because (laughs) (laughs) it's just so on trend. Um, okay. My turn.
0: Yeah, go ahead. That was a beautiful answer by the way. That was beautiful. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think that, um, everybody, not everybody. I think that there was a very short memory with what we have gone through in the past 18 months, uh, AKA, you know, uh, the, the global plague that we went through that is still happening. And I think everybody was for the most people kind of understood that the restaurant industry was, was suffering and they still probably do. Most people probably do. People need to retain the patience that they had a year ago. And there are a lot of restaurants that are suffering in Omaha. A lot of restaurants that are suffering. There's a lot of restaurants that are not able to open because they don't have enough people. So stop complaining when things are taking too long for you, stop complaining if the phone isn't ringing and you want to get your, you know, takeout order. Stop. And I'm, I'm not just saying this about Don. Da- I'm saying this about everybody, yeah. about about restaurant-wide. And That's I, a good point. You know, because I'm look- I'm like, I'm reading a review and it's like, I, it was a, a Dante review and I, I can't remember specifics, but it was just something about how it took long and we weren't socially distanced and blah, blah, blah. Then don't go out. If you're so worried about being socially distanced, stay stay home. God get bless carry you. Out. It's so, it's God bless so... You so annoying and it's like we have to support these restaurants blah, 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 blah. but it's like okay so we're supposed to seat it at a half capacity and then how am I supposed to pay my people and pay my it's like let's people let's keep the patience and let's remember that we're dealing with humans mm-hmm. and me and my staff and my producers and peers around town we are it's very 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 hard, very hard. everything is being rewritten like everything's being rewritten in this industry mm-hmm. and it's like Um, how about just be patient and be kind? Mm -hmm. Um, and most people are, most of our guests are great. We are very, very fortunate. I am so fortunate with the guests that we have, but like just for that small amount of people that are like picking on Jimmy John's because something took too long or, or McDonald's even all of us, we're in a bad place. Please keep on being patient. Please be nice to us.
1: Every day. And be, and be nice to Amen. My, Amen. my team members. Absolutely. I agree 100% with you, man.
0: Every day on social media, I follow all kinds of different Omaha restaurants on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Every day, I'll see one or two that say, hey, we're so sorry, everyone. We apologize for the in- inconvenience, but we had an employee get sick today. We can't. Like, we just don't have enough people. We cannot staff Jenny today. Coco last we're week closed. Yeah. One of the best restaurants, I would say, in Omaha. Like it just it, It's happening to everyone. So, yes, patience is absolutely at the pinnacle of everything right now. And I think,
1: hey, <laughs> get an extra glass of wine while you're waiting. And there you'll you be go. happy. Just, you know, be patient, and you'll be, cool. be happy. Just there be, you go. We're trying
2: as hard as we can. Everybody is trying as hard. It's like, do you think that we, this is how we want it to be? Do we want to be providing bad service? No. We're trying as hard as we can. Mm-hmm. Just Kindness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: talk. Painless. While you're at the table, talk. Have a conversation. Make yeah. a glass of wine. And, and this, go,
0: Yeah, this goes perfectly into what you were telling me before we got on the mics, Nick. Like, we came in Wednesday night and had a wonderful dinner. Had no idea any of anything that was going on. And you were telling me all the stuff that had happened at Dante over the weekend. I mean, there was just – it was just blow after blow after blow. All kinds of things happening. There were employees who were leaving. There, there were just all kinds of things that were affecting the menu – And as diners, we could have never told the difference. And I think that's, we just need to have that understanding as diners that even if it seems like everything is perfect on the surface, something crazy could be going on back in the kitchen and just have that patience. It doesn't matter if your dish takes an extra five minutes to come out. Enjoy, like, why do you go out to eat? To enjoy time (laughs) with people. Why do you go to a wine dinner? To drink wine and, like, have a coursed meal. Like, how are you complaining about time? During a meal like that. I just don't even understand.
2: And I, I do want to say, though, like, honestly, most people are so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So supportive. Absolutely. And we love our regulars and we love our team at Dante. Like, our Dante team has stepped up in such a big way. And it's like, just bring it on. Like, we got it. And, uh, I mean, the wine dinner that, you know, you were at the other night is a perfect example of that you had no idea. Like you said, the duck the duck is all majestic on mm-hmm. top of the water. But under, under the under the water the duck's feet are going, like, yeah, are going yeah, crazy. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. But
0: the last thing that I want to do before we get out of here, and this is already a longer episode, but I'm I can't cut you guys in your shores store. It's too much fun. Is we're recording this on September seventeenth, so just about a week after the twenty year anniversary of nine eleven. And Nick, you said that you had a, a really cool story. Um from that day and so I, I don't know what this story is i'm just gonna open it up and, and let you go here what what's your story
2: i don't know if cool story but like okay, maybe but, not cool, but, but, but i mean but it's memorable uh, it memorable it was very memorable for me so that in it in it, it it's a tie-in back to with nicola here back to uh back to italy so uh what was so september 9th of 2001 i had just moved back to i moved back to Omaha a couple, a uh, couple of weeks prior from Flagstaff, Arizona, because I was, I was uh, headed to Italy to go to school in the Piedmont region, like I mm-hmm. referenced earlier. So I remember Sunday night, September 9th, 2010 went over, oh, staying at my parents' house, went around the block with my dad. And we were talking about, I mean, you, you remember these things vividly when big things happen right. in your life. And we went around the block and we had a talk. It was a, I mean, it was a beautiful weather out, came home and I'm giving too much information, but I remember I watched, <laughs> uh, uh, um, Band of Brothers. If you remember that show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Band of Brothers, first episode. September 10th, uh, I my parents took me to Epley to fly to New York City on September 10th um, because I was meeting with um, other people from my group that was going to the same, other Americans from my group that were going to the same culinary school as me. And so we, I flew into New York on September 10th um, and I was... Headed to my hotel, which my mom wisely put me at a back when she did my travel stuff. <laughs> she still does. but uh, and put me at uh, a, a hotel near JFK, which where I was flying out of. instead of the Marriott at the World Trade Center where she initially had me staying on September 10th. At the Mar- which was obviously destroyed and she wow. decided not to put me there because she was afraid uh that I was gonna have to way too much fun in Manhattan and <laughs> miss my flight <laughs> I, I, the next miss day. My flight. <laughs> <laughs> so we go so I go to my little hotel at JFK and uh, the dinners at in World Trade Center four, September tenth, um, at eight o'clock at a restaurant there and I met up with, with guys in my group and um had dinner and I was like, guys, come on, we're in New York, you know? It's Let's, let's, let's have a uh, night out before we head to Italy for a year, you know. And um, nobody wanted to go out. Everybody had different plans. So I strolled around Battery Park by myself that night, I remember. And I just remember I was looking at the World Trade Center that night, walking around. Got back in the, uh, got, got in the, got in the train and headed back to my little uh, hotel by JFK. Sat at the bar and had some drinks with some pilots and then uh, went to bed. Next morning, 10.30 a.m., uh, Eastern time, my phone kind of starts ringing and ringing and ringing. I'm like, Mom, my flight's not till like, 2 o'clock. Like, uh, come on, just leave me alone. F- phone keeps on ringing ringing. Finally, somebody starts banging on my door, on um, my hotel room door, and I'm like, what the heck's going on? They're like, oh, my God. The- okay, you're here. Your mother's trying to get a hold of you desperately. I'm like, what the hell's going on? She's like, well, turn on the TV, and sure enough, you know, uh, you know, what happened with the World Trade Center. So I was in New York then for – you know, four. I can't remember. I think it was four days until they. You know, um, until you're you you able until you're able to fly, the, right? The flights, yeah. So I was on like one of the first flights out of JFK. Yeah. Flew into Torino and got to Italy, and it was like really nothing happened. I mean, you know, in the United States, and there's terrorist attacks. It's, it's it was like I, I kind of missed the whole 9-11 thing because internet was pretty new, cable mm-hmm. TV it wasn't like the nash, it wasn't like it is now you know no. I mean, over there you can watch c n n and twenty
1: four seven or i mean just like phone, yeah just
2: like and so yeah, and then i i escaped into italy for a year essentially going to school wow. and then cooking and working but uh that's my little that's my little nine eleven story
0: that's that's insane just that you were there I was
2: there I went to Manhattan twice uh, empty city walking around absolutely crazy ran into Kevin Bacon no (laughs) BS uh, which was super random but uh, I remember and then I took a cab back to the hotel and this guy gives me this cab driver drops me off at the hotel and I'm like it was like, what do I owe you? And he's like, nope, this is on me. We all got to help each other. We all have to help each other. So wow. you, you remember these small things yeah. that yeah. are impactful for your life um, that don't seem so at, at the time, but they were impactful for me. It was kind Absolutely. of wild. Kind yeah. of wild. That's wow. really
0: cool. Well, I have taken enough of you guys' time. I got to let you get out of here. Nicole, I'm pretty sure you got another wine dinner that you need yeah. to prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I really need to let you guys go. But thank you so much for coming in and giving me the time. I could have talked to you guys all day. It was just so fun to get the stories, to get the 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 how behind the wine and the why behind the wine versus just you know the like you said the um the, the science behind the it science yeah. Man, yeah so thank you so much guys thank for coming you. on thanks the podcast today thank
1: you for the opportunity really it was a lot of fun thank you
0: all right omaha as always thanks for eating with us
1: a hood media production